Hey, welcome to Sunday Afternoon Mama, a podcast designed to help you learn to create a calm and joyful atmosphere in your home. I'm your host, Hannah Riddle, a wife, mom, and former teacher living in the Pacific Northwest. I certainly don't have everything figured out, but I hope to encourage and inspire you to be the best mama you can be. Are you ready to jump in? Today, we are privileged to talk with my friend and guest, Joy Dombrow. In this episode, we'll discuss the difference between healthy and unhealthy high expectations for our kids, make the case for teaching good manners, and gain some perspective on what it takes to raise amazing teenagers. This is episode 23. Here we go. Well, thank you, Joy, um, for sharing with us today, and thank you, listeners, for tuning in this week. Um, I just want to give a quick little intro about my friend Joy. So I met Joy several years ago when we lived up near a bigger city in the Northwest and we were going to their church, like her and her husband are in ministry, they are pastors, and they are just a phenomenal couple, phenomenal family. Joy had a huge impact on my life when I was going through like raising really little little ones and um, I had just had my second child, my second daughter. And so Joy was definitely a person who I turned to as a mentor and a friend. And she was just always like cheering me on. And she actually is the one who really, really encouraged me to get up early. So a huge shout out for that, (laughs) for that, because (laughs) I was definitely like fighting that. I was like, no, I don't know. I just, it's so hard. And she would always just gently encourage me. So she has been an inspiration to me. She has amazing kids and she um, has done A lot just in ministry with like leading women's things and retreats and lots of small groups. And then she's also a second grade teacher, which um, we had that kind of teaching part in common where we both love to just be around kids and teach them and just use our gifting that way. So it was really fun to get to know her. But anyways, Joy, thank you for being here. And could you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, uh, your family, what you're currently doing for work, and maybe just what you're passionate about? Oh, absolutely. Hannah, that was so kind. I am <laughs> totally humbled by by your words. Um, and as always, it's a pleasure to get to talk with you. I love our times together. And I love the space that you're creating here um, on your podcast. And it's just fun to be a small part of it. So um, I have been married to my high school sweetheart for Aww. almost 24 years now. That's so awesome. Yeah, we have two teenagers. Um, my son is 18, and he's attending community college and living here at home because he's saving up money to go to an expensive private school in California. And uh, my daughter is 16, and she is driving and playing basketball, Um And we're a really close family. We love being together and um, we kind of fill each other's buckets. And um, it's it's a joy to have teenagers, surprisingly. Uh, I've enjoyed them. So um, I'm an educator at heart, like you said. Um, I've taught everything from ages two to 92 in various (laughs) settings. And I'm passionate about helping people to live out truth, uh, even from an early age. I consider myself a child advocate. And like you said, I'm currently a second grade teacher at a public charter school where not only do I get to help kids learn, but I do a lot of parent coaching. I feel like that's the primary job that I have these days. So that is so awesome. I love hearing that. And um, today I was really excited to talk with you about this topic of raising the bar like with our kids, because I feel like in parenting, it can be tempting to 
just have like a lower expectation of what our kids can or can't do. And as I, I love this quote from Henry Ford, he famously said, if you think you can do a thing or think you can't do a thing, you're right. <laughs> um, it's so true. Mm. And on the flip side, some parents expect way too much of their children and end up frustrated and disappointed. So I kind of feel like if we can land somewhere in the middle, there's a good, healthy place, mm. you know, where we can expect a lot, but also be gracious and just adjust as we go along if something is just simply unrealistic or unattainable for our child. So, Joy, I just wanted to ask you as we start this conversation, how have you kind of approached expectations over the years, like with your own kids? Oh, that's such a good question. I love <laughs> that word. Yeah, I love that word that you use, um, adjust. And I think it is a constant adjustment. Um, just when you think you have it down, they, you know, change and they grow. And now it's time to reevaluate our expectations um, and to be open to the fact that we are expecting too little or too much of our kids um, as we learn and grow with them. So um, I remember with my firstborn, with my son, my expectations were quite high. Yes. I thought I knew everything. And um, having already been a teacher, I was going to do things a certain way. I was not going to do certain things. And um, he received my undivided attention. And the teacher nerd in me came out and I would plan lesson plans. And I even vividly remember doing flashcards while he was in the high chair. Um, <laughs> I, it's <Yep>. ridiculous. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, but by the time my daughter came along, my second born, I'd mellowed out by then. And really, I didn't have the same kind of time or motivation or energy to keep that up, which I think was a good thing. And I mellowed out a little bit. But there's kind of three things that I had to keep in mind um, as my kids grew from toddlers to teenagers when it came to expectations. Um, the first thing that I had to remember is that there are several different areas of child development mm. um, and we want our children to have appropriate expectations in each of them in order to be well-rounded human beings. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. So I see oftentimes parents have super high expectations for their kids when it comes to sports and those kinds of accomplishments or when it comes to academics and how early they can read, but maybe their expectations on uh, having a respectful attitude are quite low. Mm, that's so good. So I think it's important to evaluate all the different domains or areas of a child's development and make sure that they're appropriate across the board and fairly even across the board. And if we have to err um, too high in an expectation, I think it should be in the area of character development. Mm, yeah, That should be the highest. Um, point of our expectations. So that was one thing that I had to keep in mind. I didn't need to nerd out on, you know, <laughs> teaching my kid the alphabet. Right. Um, when, yeah, when they were sticking their tongue out at me or whatever. Right. Totally. Yeah. Knowing which one is most important long term. Uh, and then secondly, I think I constantly had to evaluate age appropriateness. We don't want to have such high expectations for our kids that they are unattainable and lead to frustration. Right. So yes. expecting your child to self-soothe when they don't understand their emotions or expecting your child to um, vacuum the whole house <laughs> right. or whatever it is when they're not ready for it is unrealistic. But I think more often than not, 
uh, we forget that they're growing. And so we forget to adjust expectations and we think of them as our babies. And so we don't bring them to the next level, the next chore level, the next social level. So knowing those expectations and honestly, Google was my friend. Yeah. I would just type in, what should a five-year-old be able to do? And I would look and see if that was appropriate for my child and it would give me inspiration. So I had to do those frequent check-ins and evaluations to make sure that I was growing expectations with each stage of their development. That is so good. The other thing that I tried to keep in mind is what I call the V of love. Mm. So if you imagine a V, um, at the base of that V, the control that we have over our children and that we really need to have over our children is very tight. Um, It's because they don't have the same intrinsic abilities or motivation to do the things that we are expecting of them. Mm. And so we remind them, what do you say? Oh, thank you. You know, we, we give them those prompts. We give them the chore charts. We check in with them frequently to make sure they're doing what they need to be doing. Um, But as they get older, that control needs to loosen Mm, on our part. mm -hmm. And what was extrinsic for them in terms of expectations now needs to become intrinsic. They start to absorb for themselves and to um, have these expectations for themselves. And as they move through, they're going to start to see the results of their action or inaction when it comes to expectations. So now that my daughter is 16, I don't stand there with her and say, what do you say? <laughs> right? right? <laughs> she, she may or may not say thank you, but now she's going to feel the impact of that decision from the social surroundings um, instead of just from me as a mom. So I think when they're little, we can um, micromanage that and expect that from them. But we need to remember as they get older so that they don't resent us or feel like we're um, controlling them, that we allow them more and more of that freedom. And um, that gets harder when they're teenagers and they're not picking up around the house or whatever it is, how to manage and navigate through that. But giving them that freedom in that V of love, um, I think is super important along the way. Yeah, that's so good. That's just like a treasure of information right now. It's like a treasure trove. That's so good. So good. Um, I was thinking too, as we talked about this and as we were kind of, as I was preparing for this, I thought, you know, to me, there's kind of this difference between high expectations, like raising the bar, like what we're talking about in a healthy way versus that unhealthy Mm -hmm. way. And I I feel like it'd be helpful to clarify. Mm -hmm. To me, kind of the criteria for like a healthy high expectation would be something that pushes them to reach greatness and like their full potential, encourages them to really be their best and try their Mm. hardest and use their gifts and their unique skills and abilities in a positive way. But contrast that with like an unhealthy high expectation, which we've all seen or experienced from either, Mm. you know, our parents or maybe a teacher or coach or something where it's too much, you know, like it could be something Mm. that's like an expectation based on you as the parent, like your unfulfilled high school dreams, <laughs> you know, of like, I thought mm-hmm. I thought I was going to be, I wasn't very great at this one sport, but my daughter can be this superstar. I just know it, you know, <laughs> like, um, yes. and, you know, finish out my dream as a, you know, whatever it is, fill in the blank that you kind of hoped for, you know, 
to me, it could also be things that just put too much stress or pressure on our kids, things that are truly beyond their ability and that just beyond their passion. Like, it's just not going to happen, you know? Um, mm. I, I, I think of the classic American Idol mom that we've all seen over the years, just the, yeah. like, stereotypical American Idol mom who's convinced that her son is the next you know, star, but he's literally tone deaf. Like he doesn't have an ability to sing. You know, it's just, it's sad to see, but like that's, that to me is where that cro yeah. crosses over into this really unhealthy high expectation. So did you have any thoughts to add there? I just would be curious to hear if you've seen that or yeah. Oh gosh, absolutely. I think you are explaining this so well. And it, again, it goes back to that intrinsic versus extrinsic and this V of love, because what happens if you invert the V, yeah. if you give your, if you give your child too much freedom or um, when they're little and, and then all of a sudden when they start to be teenagers or even a little bit younger um, and you start to panic a bit and realize they don't have the manners or they aren't doing the things that you had hoped they would do with their life and you start to clamp down and um, control their life, anytime something's taking away from them or anytime they feel that control, especially as they're older, they start to resent it. And that's when rebellion sets in. And I agree that healthy expectations seem to be those that allow a child to reach their fullest potential, like you said, according to their natural bent, yeah. right? It comes from within them and allows them to blossom into who they were created to be. But those unhealthy expectations, the ones that we place on them are trying to redirect their bent, how they're naturally created and imposes a parent's pride yes. and those prideful desires onto the child. And those are definitely those unhealthy expectations. Absolutely. Yeah. I was reading this really cool article. It's very interesting. It was from a British nanny and she had just some thoughts that I thought were quite profound. Um, so she, mm. she, uh, had a couple of points, more points that I'm going to share, but I'll link the whole article in the show notes. But I'm just going to kind of hit the top three or four that she said, because I feel like they're great kind of talking points that I would completely agree with. So she and Joy, yeah. Joy, you can chime in after any of these four points here. But um, the first one that she brought up was just in, in, in talking about expectations in general is something that prevents us from having just a good, healthy, high level of expectation is a fear of our children. And what she means by that is something that's too child-centered, like her example was, oh, no, I gave him the wrong color sippy cup and now he's mad at me, you know, like where we're just terrified <laughs> of like doing something to offend our toddler or our little mm. ones, you know, which, again, would be giving them too much freedom, you know, not holding them yeah. to any kind of respect or anything towards you instead of us being the grown up and just teaching and guiding and disciplining as we need to not trying to get our children to like us or be our buddies all the time. Cause it's mm. just, you know, it's just impractical. It's not, it's not going to work. And I've seen people get so frustrated when they've tried that approach and it's just not working, you know? Right. It's not the, it's not the way it should be. Right. Yeah. It's 
It should be the other way around. Right. <laughs> I think our children need to have a healthy respect for us as their leaders and primary teachers rather than us having to obey them or cater to their every need. Definitely that's not the healthy dynamic we want to have in our homes. Yeah, exactly. So the second thing this article talks about as far as expectations is another hindrance is just to have a lowered bar. And what she meant was... Mm-hmm. Um, This is actually a direct quote. So she says, when children misbehave, whether it's by way of public outburst or private surliness, I love the word surliness because it's just, you picture it (laughs) so perfectly. Like (laughs) parents are apt to shrug their shoulders as if to say, that's just the way it is with kids. And she says, I assure you, it doesn't have to be. Children are capable of much more than parents typically expect from them, whether it's in the form of proper manners or respect for elders, chores, generosity, or self-control. And she's like, you know, you don't think a child can sit through dinner at a restaurant? And she says, rubbish. I love it because she's British. <laughs> like, rubbish. <laughs> you know? And she just talks about the only reason that they might not be behaving is because you haven't shown them how or expected it, you know? And she's like, this is pretty simple. It's not like it's the easiest thing in the world to to do this and commit to this, which is why I think a lot of people back down and like shy away from it because it seems easier Mm -hmm. to let the kids be in control, but it's so much better. It's so much more worth it to do it the other way, raise that bar and your child will rise to that occasion. Absolutely. That's so good. And it's so true. I, at school, I just had an event and um, the parents witnessed and commented on how good their children I have you know 26 in my classroom and I could get them quiet with just a symbol right with just a signal um and they were like oh I wish they would do that at home and honestly the biggest difference is the level of expectation I can't cater to individual children one by one I have to expect that they're going to listen that they're going to respect me um and they don't have that same kind of expectation at home and the parents can see the difference, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. I wanted to talk manners for a quick moment too, just manners. Uh, Oh man, I hope they're not a lost art. I mean, I I worked in schools for many years as well. Now I get to stay at home and I I do love that. But one thing I remember even several years ago, because I taught teenagers, is that it was quite quite terrifying to me to see the lack of manners, you know, and just simple, like simple, simple common courtesies that I just wasn't seeing, you know, and it was like, here's a few examples. It'd be like just profanity, like in front of you, in front of whoever, like didn't matter that you were the teacher, just kind of like careless actions, maybe some really selfish, uncaring behavior, like bumping into you, not holding a door, like just being totally absorbed in whatever, you know, (laughs) they were doing. No, no apology. Maybe even the basics, like talking with mouthfuls of food, smacking gum. Like (laughs) I remember I taught, I taught choir and one thing I was like came in and was like hey we're gonna have like a no gum rule and it was like what you know I'm like well it's pretty basic like you're gonna sing better without gum in your mouth (laughs) right and so it was just funny it was just funny to see you know like man I could really see the ones the parents who had really poured into their kids and really made teaching manners a priority now granted some parents might teach manners and the kids choose not to to practice them so that's that's totally not anyone's fault. <laughs> but I mean, I have like a, like I said, almost a two-year-old, an almost two-year-old, a five-year-old and a seven-year-old. Now, of course, they don't do this perfectly. Like we are working on manners all the time. <laughs> but sure, I've noticed that 
like, okay, at the doctor's office last year, this nurse commented like, man, your five-year-old's really polite. And I was just ready to like burst out in song. I was so happy. <laughs> I was like, this is <laughs> the greatest compliment. Thank you so much, you know? And I was like, does this, you just don't see this very often? Because she looked kind of shocked. And the nurse goes, you wouldn't believe how many little princesses we have coming in every day. They talk back to their moms. They're rude. They're mean. They're bossy. And so I thought, oh, okay, this is worth it. Like, let's keep up the hard work of teaching respect and manners because, you know, it's it's becoming less common. So the cool thing is when we do this, our kids will stand out like in a good way because they will yes. know how to interact with adults, get a job, keep a job, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, do you see manners as a lost art or is there some hope? Like, what do you see kind of at your school or in your kids' experience? Like, I don't know, is it, you have to be really intentional probably to teach them. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's a constant battle, even up and through the teenage years. <laughs> it's something that we have, it's really, you have to be so intentional and so fervent in, and I'm so glad that you're seeing the fruit of your labor in instilling manners in your kids. I think it's nice to have those little nuggets and little rewards yes. along the way to know that you're doing the right thing. Um, and I think that manners aren't just important so that others feel respected. That's That's the number one reason we do it. But requiring our kids to be respectful inside and outside of our home benefits them our children. Yeah. Because others then want to be around them. Yes. <laughs> so you you probably know other people's kids that you're like, I don't know if we're going to have them over for a play date yeah. or whatever. <laughs> yes. And uh, the opportunities are going to be limited for those children who don't have manners, right? Yeah. Um, if our kids are respectful and kind, they're going to have more opportunities. They're going to be invited more places. Um, their teachers are going to give them the benefit of the doubt. And they're going to feel good about themselves because of the way that other people are responding to their respectful behavior. So, and I agree that in many places, manners are severely lacking, but I do see some hope. So oh, good. <laughs> my children, yeah, my teenage children, their friends are all very kind and respectful, but I think it's because polite children are attracted to one another. You yeah. Know? I think if your child is going to be rude and disrespectful, they're probably going to hang out with other teenagers that are similar, right? Mm -hmm. And then at, at my, well, in fact, I have to tell you this story. One of um, my son's friends who he grew up all the way through school with is now playing football at a D1 school. Uh -huh. And he was always a superstar of his football team, but I loved, and his dad played in the NFL and all this, but his parents were amazing. Mm. They told him, they said, People are going to compliment you all the time on how good of an athlete you are. But if I ever hear them compliment you on your character, I will pay you money. Mm. And so they paid him every time they heard a compliment on his character because they were showing him in a tangible way that they cared more about his character and the expectations on his character than they did about the expectations on the football field. And I just thought, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> amazing. Yeah. And at my school, I'm very fortunate we are a small K through eight school, um, but all of our students are required to talk in complete sentences. Mm. They have to respond with yes, ma'am, or no, ma'am. They can't just say what or huh, yes, right? Yes. They have to shake my hand in the morning and look me in the eyes. They greet me um, or when they leave in the afternoon. And I know that that's not the norm most places. And I've certainly seen otherwise in grocery stores and at restaurants. Yeah. But it's possible 
with intentionality, but Mm -hmm. that's what we have to do. We have to be super, super intentional about teaching our kids manners. Yeah, it's so true. Um, Another thing that this article said that I loved was the third point. She says, we have lost the village. And what she means by that Mm. is we get defensive and don't want anyone else correcting or guiding our children, like a little extreme. Like it's an extreme thing. Mm. It's not like it's not just like we don't want a stranger. Like that's kind of normal. We you wouldn't want a stranger sure. just randomly correcting your kids. But sure. she's talking like a teacher, a neighbor that you actually know. Right. You know, and to me it's comforting and it's really good if your children respect those safe adults that they know. Where, like, let's say a neighbor says, Hey, in fact, this actually happened. Hey, like shouts, there's a car coming, and your kid stops running and doesn't get hit because they mm. listen and they respect. Like that happened with my little five-year-old. She was kind of running around our neighborhood and there was a car backing out of a driveway. Now this car was going slow, like luckily, I'm sure at the last second, this driver would have seen my daughter, but one of the other neighbors, he's a dad, he shouts her name and she stopped. And I was like, oh, that is so good. Like that saved her from just getting in a tight, in a dangerous situation. And I thought that's another thing we lose when we don't raise the bar with our expectations is that healthy respect of those trusted adults in our kids' lives. Like they in the future will need to learn how to submit to a boss's authority or like take kind of direction from a college professor on what to do on an assignment or, you know, they can't be like doing their own thing, not listening, not respecting anybody, but their own opinion. (laughs) Yeah. So I just, absolutely. Absolutely. And good job, mama. Good job (laughs) raising your daughter to respect the voice of authority that is going to save her, not just when a car is coming, but like you said, in so many different situations, if she can listen and respect um, those in her life that are put in a position of authority over her. Yeah, good job. Oh, thank you. I was really, really grateful that that happened. I mean, that that she responded so well. Um, So the last number four, this last fourth point that is from this article basically says, you know, another downfall of of parenting sometimes is that we rely on shortcuts. And, you know, mm. we have these amazing, like, technological advances in our in our day, like the day we, and age that we live in. And there's a lot of convenience. There's a lot of benefit. But obviously, we've all experienced the downsides, too. Like, they, this, this yeah. awesome technology comes at a cost. And we've now we have to navigate boundaries with phones and all these things. It is very tempting, especially, I feel like, with younger kids to just put a screen or a distraction in their face every spare minute that we, you know, heaven forbid, are waiting <laughs> in line mm, or right. kind of at an office, like a doctor's office or waiting for food at a restaurant or in the car. But I think, and this, there's been tons of research that has shown over the years, like kids can learn to be bored. And then what happens is they get creative. Like it's good to be bored for a few minutes because it sparks that like, oh, I have an idea. Like, let's play this or let's draw. Like, like, let's go outside. And I don't know. It's just they can learn how to entertain themselves. Like instead of, oh my goodness, I don't know what to do. We have 10 minutes to wait. It's like, they can they can figure it out. <laughs> it's like it'll be good. Right. It'll be good for them. And like I was at a doctor's office. Yeah. Uh, I had like a bad. Uh, I ended up having a sinus infection, so I went to urgent care. I looked around the oh, no. the waiting room, and it was like screen, 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 screen for like every person there. And these this entire family was there waiting to get seen. I think a couple of the kids were sick, and like every kid was on a screen. And it was they only had to wait for like 15 minutes to get into the doctor. Oh my goodness. And I was like, this is probably a little out of balance here. <laughs> like, you know? Right. 
Right. Oh, yeah. And what did the rest does the rest of human history? What did they do before? (laughs) Great. I know. Right. Like people can wait. We've been doing it throughout time. We can wait and and think about all the um, learning and development that is not happening. Yeah. Because we're not having conversations. We're not playing I spy as we wait in the, you know, the waiting room or we're not having the conversation and building the vocabulary and explaining about the doctor's office and what happens there, right? When the conversation is cut off, they're missing so much other opportunity about life, right? Than just looking at a screen. Yeah. And one huge thing I see as a potential danger for this current generation is that they will maybe have to be taught one day to look people in the eye. Like, you know, if they if we don't teach it now, like I just I right. see these terrible repercussions later on for, for kids when they're teenagers or young adults where they won't know how to have good basic social skills. Like the addictive nature of screens has definitely overtaken us, especially I think children and teens are more susceptible to this. Like if it's so addictive for us grownups, like we're always, all the grownups I know, we're all talking about like, man, I need better boundaries with my screen time, let alone like a little child who's just going to be like, wow, flashing lights, games, like, oh, this is so exciting. Like that's going to be super addictive (laughs) to them. So I feel like the remedy could be just first of all, us modeling appropriate manners and boundaries with our Mm -hmm. screens and making sure we're looking up when they talk to us, that we're not just glued to our own device. In fact, I've asked my girls to just gently ask me or tap me if they think I'm being kind of too distracted in a certain moment, like mom, you know, and it's like, it's very humbling, but I want them to know that they're the most important thing. And sometimes if I have a weak moment where I'm like checking the weather or just too much on my phone, they can just be like, mom, you're on your phone. You got to, you know, <laughs> like, look yeah, at, look that at me. accountability. That's so good. Yeah. So this leads me to the question for you, Joy. If we were to kind of raise the bar with screen time, what do you think that would look like for little ones and then kind of teenagers? Like just those, if you generally group kids into like younger years versus older years. Well, we will pick up the second half of this conversation with my friend Joy next week on episode 24, all about raising the bar with our kids. I'm leaving you with the cliffhanger on purpose so that hopefully you can tune in next week and hear the rest of what Joy has to say in response to this question. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Sunday Afternoon Mama. Well, hey, if you enjoy this podcast, please tell a friend or family member so they can check it out too. Good old-fashioned word of mouth is one of the best ways to spread the news. Come visit sundayafternoonmama.com and follow me on Instagram and Facebook. I'll be back with you again next week. In the meantime, I'm seeking joy and peace with you so that we can be better mamas together. Take a deep breath and smile. You've got this. Bye for now, sweet friends.